0: Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Okay, let's come to God's Word. Um, Let's pray for the ability to uh, focus on the voice of the Lord, even though there's loads of noise and distractions in our lives and around us. Um, Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness in this moment. We thank you whatever kind of weeks we've had or whatever we're going into in the coming week. Thank you that you are here now. We acknowledge that. We thank you for it. You are in this moment. And we pray, God, that you would be Lord of this moment, of this precious time we have together around your word. Lord, we submit to the authority of your word. And Lord, we value your voice in our lives more than anything else. We value your presence in our lives more than anything else. So God, I do once again pray that my words would not get in the way of yours, but instead that you might speak to each of us heart to heart. And that through that, Lord, would come transformation. So Lord, change our minds where they need changing. Lord, blow our minds with the things that that you want to Bring in and the revelation you want to bring, we just say yes and amen to you. All together, we say, speak to us. In Jesus' name, we've prayed. Amen. 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 I'm not sure how your week has been. My week, uh, Helen and I had a brilliant start to our week. Uh, we had dinner uh, with David and Hannah Dodwell. Now, David's our lead pastor, and uh, he's literally coming into land the final week of his three month sabbatical. Uh, it's happening uh, next this week. It's his final week. So we spent some time with him. It was really lovely. Um, the, the dinner tasted really good, um, but it didn't do very kind things to our stomach. Listen, it, w- it, it was a curry. It, it might have been the curry that we took. Or right, I just want to make that really clear. Um, uh, either way, we've had an eventful week in, uh, in our house. But uh, on Friday, uh, something happened on Friday that when I saw this picture, uh, something just reminded me of how how out of control most things are in my life. Uh, just, let me just show you a picture. This is where I was uh, on Friday morning. I was in Berlin in Germany, and uh, I was offering a keynote, a keynote speech to the YMCA... Europe conference uh, the 50th anniversary conference of YMCA Europe uh, in Berlin and uh, and I was invited to speak now if you told me a few years ago uh, that I wouldn't that I'd even be doing anything in YMCA let alone speaking at a conference I would not have believed you I'd be like what The YMCA. That's crazy. Now look at this picture. That's not only crazy because they gave me a microphone for half an hour. um, That's amazing. But also, uh, then I showed this picture. And this picture represents a whole load of things that just a few years ago I wouldn't have believed you. Uh, I wouldn't have believed you maybe that that Bethany, our eldest, who's the second from the right, would be married. Uh, and, And actually, as I introduced my family, I had to make clear that the man in the middle of the picture uh, is my daughter's husband. Uh, I've only got one son, although we've adopted him, obviously. Um, but he looks like he could be one of us. Does anyone else see the resemblance? But he's, he married into the family. Just want to make that clear. Um, I, just, I just am aware that when we, when we look back, we think, wow, God, you've done amazing things. And I see that picture, and it represents an incredible sense of joy and peace at a time picture was taken just a couple of weeks ago, an incredible sense of togetherness and peace in a family crisis in terms of Helen's health. If you told me a few years ago we'd be going through all of this and that we'd no such peace, I would have been amazed. I wonder if you look back five or six years ago uh, and talk to yourself now, I wonder if you'd be surprised by what has happened over the last few years some of the traumas that you've been through or some of the incredible things that God has done. You see, the fact is, we don't really have a control on much at all. In fact, if you could tell yourself, I don't know, anyone else is surprised that they're in Watford. Anyone else is like, how did I end up in Watford? If you told me a few years ago, I'd be like, really? Had anyone, maybe a few years, not even heard of Watford a few years ago? Look, here you are. We're so glad. Many things are out of our control. And in fact, for centuries, in fact, since there's been humans on the planet, since we decided in the Garden of Eden to take control into our own hands or try to be God ourselves, we've always wanted to know what the future holds. I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about our desire to control the future because a really deep desire within us. And I want to take you back to Babylon in 550 CE, 550 550 years before Jesus came to the earth, 550 BC. Uh, These were the most famous and the the gods that were in charge of the future. Let me show you these pictures here. On, On the left, you'll see a picture of Baal or Marduk. And he was the chief of the gods of Babylon. He was the big boss. And uh, Nebo, or Nabu, depends on uh, how different uh, kind of translations, but Nebo was the third son of Baal. Now, Baal was the chief. He, as you can see, he's like a dragon uh, in terms of he's got these wings and he was in charge. Um, but Nebo, you'll see, he's got lots of uh, kind of inscriptions. He was the god, uh, the patron of wisdom and writing. And he was one who could write and, and see the future. And what happened once a year in Babylon, uh, once a year at the new year, the turning of a new year, they would take the idols from where they were in the, uh, the temple, and they would lower them onto carts, and then there would be a procession through the streets of these idols, of Marduk and Nebu. They would take them through the streets. Everyone would watch, and they would wait, and they would find a position, in the Esargeah Shrine, and in that shrine, where there was a shrine, they would then uh, hear the new year oracles. So Nebo would say what was going to happen in the coming year, and everyone would listen. All those that worship those gods, and you might think, well, that's crazy that people would try and uh, lean in to hear to know the future. Listen, you and I do that all the time. We're always trying to get control of the future and that's what i want to talk about today our desire to control the future we we may do it if we're old school through horoscopes i hope no one here maybe maybe have a quick look we do this through economic forecasts anyone keep an eye on the stocks and shares anyone have stocks and shares no show of hands needed but we might be wanting to know what the future holds, what the Bank of England says, what the BBC says, what the newspapers say, what, where are things going to go. We are dependent upon these forecasts, weather forecasts, economic forecasts. In fact, we, we want so much to know about the future, you can now send off a DNA sample, a bit of your cheek maybe, or, or some blood. You can send it off in the post, and for a few pounds they will screen your DNA And they will send you back a report of the likelihood of you getting any number of illnesses. The chances of a certain type of cancer. Whatever different, you know, uh, maybe you've done this. And if you've done it, it's a very human desire to know the future. Well, if someone can tell me what's going to happen in the future, then I might as well find out, right? But in finding out, what we do most often is we we want the knowledge because actually we want somehow to have some steer on the future. I want to encourage us today to think differently about our obsession with controlling time. And the reason we want to know is that we want to minimize our pain and maximize our comfort. I want to speak into that today. The the title for this mini-series is Passing the Baton. I'm going to speak on this today about the timelessness of God. In a couple of weeks, we're going to look at the change that's happening in terms of the transfer of leadership to David Dodwell that's happening this autumn And I'll follow, I'll finish this message just before that event in September. But I want to lay some foundations here about the timelessness of God. And this is going to help you today personally. It's going to help us corporately to pull focus away from our controlling approach to our lives to find ourselves lost in wonder at the God who is timeless. The God who grabbed hold of Moses and he declared himself as the I Am the ever-existing I am, and Moses went on to write this psalm, and we heard it read, if you were here at the beginning of the service, and if you were, I just want you to know that God loves you even more than the people that were late. Um, So uh, that's a joke. Um, It's a joke. Uh, Psalm 90 verse 1. I just I love you more, that's all. Um, Psalm 90 verse 1. Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, Moses says, before you gave birth to the earth and the world from beginning to end, you are God. Moses had a revelation. His eyes had been opened to the timelessness of God. As he sits there with a mountain towering over wherever he wrote this, he says, before that mountain was even there, you were God. Before the earth was even there, the stars, before everything that was, you were there. You are the I am. You are timeless. Moses declares this, and we declare it today, Lord, today, here we recognize from beginning to end, you are God. Can I hear any amens? If you're new to Wellspring or new to hearing me preaching, I do go faster, and I preach better if you say amen at least 10 times each during the course of the next few minutes. So uh, he is God, and he is, from beginning to end, he is God. Amen? There you go. It's going to work, I tell you. Now, let's go back to Babylon. Isaiah, who we heard about last week, you know, the one who said, here I am, send me. Well, because of his submission to God to be a messenger, the Lord downloaded to him over and over and over again visions and dreams and oracles to speak to the people of Israel. Well, let's go back to Babylon, and we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 46. If you have a Bible with paper, you know, pages, go and find that, or find this on your phone, it will come up on the screen. We can look at Isaiah 46. And I want to read um, from the heart of this, from Isaiah 46, from verse 1, and uh, we'll pick up this idea. So remember, the people of Israel are in exile, they are in Babylon. And see what is in Isaiah's mind. It says this, Baal and Nebo, the gods of Babylon... They bow as they are lowered to the ground. They're being hauled away on ox carts. The poor beasts stagger under the weight. Both the idols and their owners are bowed down. The gods cannot protect the people, and the people cannot protect the gods. They go off into captivity together. So here you have, you know, they were bowing down to these stone gods. But then, what they do is, for the sake of this new kind of New Year festival, they would lower them onto carts. And here, instead of them getting to the shrine, this is what Isaiah portrays them as stumbling along. And the owners are stumbling and bowed down. The oxen are stumbling under the weight of these idols. And instead of getting to the shrine, he describes them and says, they go off into captivity together. That those who try and control the future, those who try and look to idols that cannot help them at all, they find themselves being stumbling into captivity. I want to tell you today, unless your life is submitted to the Lord, unless you truly know what it is to honour Him, you may be, find yourself stumbling with your idols into captivity. And that is not God's heart for anyone. That's not His desire for you. If you find yourself stumbling, trying to control everything, I've got good news for you. There's another way. Verse 3. Listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all of you who remain in Israel. Listen to this. I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you and I will care for you. Listen to this. I will carry you along and save you. Amen. So instead of having the people carrying their gods that don't really carry them and they can't really carry the gods and they're stumbling into captivity, here we have a picture of a loving God that says, Look, Even before you were born, I carried you. Israel, I carried you. I cared for you. That's who I am. I'm not like the other gods. He says, I made you, I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. Here we see a God who's not only saying, In the past I cared for you, in the past I carried you, but I'm carrying you today, and in the future I will carry you. First, he says this To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? And listen, before I read the rest, he's not being arrogant. He's just telling the truth. Mm -hmm. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Some people pour out their silver and gold and hire a craftsman to make a god from it. Then they bow down and they worship it. They carry it around on their shoulders. And when they set it down, it stays there. It can't even move. And when someone prays to it, there's no answer. It can't rescue anyone from trouble. This is how it is with everything we make with our own hands that we find ourselves bowing down to doesn't answer. Then he says this, do not forget this. Keep it in mind. Remember this, you guilty ones. See, the Lord is loving enough to point out their guilt. He's not condemning them. He's just convicting them. He says, remember this, you guilty ones. Remember the things I have done in the past for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Then he says this, everything, let's say everything. everything, everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. This is God, our holy God. This is this is not, it sounds like, well, I'll do whatever I wish. Listen, listen. If you say that, you're stupid. If God says that, it's good news. Oh, dude, he's like, I will do whatever I wish. And listen, everything he wishes is good. Everything he does is holy. He's awesome. So when he says, I'll do whatever I wish, we say, that's really good. I'm so glad. Glad you're not leaving it to me, God. <laughs> I will do whatever I wish. He says, remember the things I've done in the past. I am God. And listen, only I can determine the future. Hallelujah. Amen. If we go back to what we looked at last week, the prophet Isaiah, as he surrendered his life and, and took a commission to be a mouthpiece for God. This is, uh, there was an image of uh, angels, seraphim, six wings, all that stuff. And it says in Isaiah 6.3, they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Isaiah had a glimpse into the throne room of God, the eternal throne room of God, had a glimpse into what eternity is really like, where Christ is sat enthroned at the center. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. Isaiah realized that God was eternal and is eternal. Now, I wanted to then step forward to the time when Jesus comes, also prophesied by Isaiah. The suffering servant comes on the cross. And I want you to imagine as I stand here, um, his hands like this. Yes, his hands took nails. But just for the sake of this, I want you to realize that in the moment Jesus dies on the cross, he pushed open away for people like you and me to enter into eternity. He held back, if you like, the portal between the world of death and sin and eternal damnation. He actually, he held open the doorway on the cross and says, come in. Yes, come in. If those who came to the cross and accepted his forgiveness, could go past the cross and live in eternity, he holds back. And and, you know, ever since that time, through the power of the cross and the resurrection, he's been holding back, holding back judgment, if you like, holding a door open for people like you and me to choose to surrender our lives to him, to choose to step into eternity. And one of those that followed him, one of those that was standing at the cross, was John. And John was so gripped by what happened to him in seeing not only the crucified Jesus, but also seeing the resurrected Christ. His whole life was taken up. And he got to the point after all of his ministry and preaching the gospel about Jesus, he found himself effectively imprisoned on the island of Patmos. And as he was in that Greek island, He had a vision, a series of visions. had a vision of the throne room. The Lord showed him the same thing that Isaiah had seen. And in Revelation chapter 1, it says this, and there's an image there of angels of the throne room of God, and this is what it says in verse 8. This is what the Lord said, and John wrote down. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the end, let's read it together. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. God reveals Himself as the I Am of all ages, the I Am of the past, the I Am of the present, and the I Am of the future. This is even more uh, built upon, and we'll spend a couple minutes here. I just absolutely love the Word of God. And there's this same image. If you see, turn to Revelation 4, flick over in your Bibles. Uh, if that's what you're using paper. Isaiah, or sorry, Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. It's the same image, you see. There's, There's angels with wings. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, let's read it together, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, the one who is, who is still to come. As I reflect on this, I want to show you something that is fresh for me. It's exciting. I've always wondered, why is there holy, holy, holy? I just want to show you something that that is helping me today anyway. Have a look at this on the screen. God is holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. God is the Lord of our past. And he's the holy Lord of everything that was. He's the holy Lord of everything that was. That means everything that's happened in the past, he was the Lord of, is this helping anyone? And do you know what? He was holy. He was holy. From the beginning, God was always holy. He's not become nicer as time goes on. He's always been holy, perfect, pure, faultless in everything that he is. He is the holy Lord of everything that was. And that's true in life and it's true in mine. He's the holy Lord of our past. Hallelujah. Then, 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 listen. He's the holy God of the is. He is the holy God of our present. Right now, He is God. And right now, He is holy. That means everything right now that He is is holy and perfect and pure and just and right and light and kind and good, and wonderful and loving. He is the holy God of the is, of the today. Not only was he holy yesterday, but he is holy today. And then what? He is the holy almighty of the is to come. Listen, we are so determined to control our future, to make our plans, to make our schedules, is anyone that person when you plan a holiday that maybe starts on a Sunday, you need to know what's happening on Thursday afternoon of that holiday? Is anyone the person say, well, we're gonna go here, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, we must do that, we've got to get that ferry, gotta get that train, gotta do this, we've got to, oh yeah, we'll go to that restaurant for dinner. You know, sometimes we get to a point where we wanna control everything and we wanna control everyone. I want to tell you today that God is the holy almighty of everything that is to come. And you can make whatever plans you like. But he is the almighty of the years to come. He's the almighty of the future. He's got tomorrow. And you know, his approach to tomorrow is holiness. Everything he is tomorrow is holy and almighty. He is the God who is holy, holy, holy. He's the Lord, the God, the almighty of everything that was, hallelujah, everything that is today, and the God who is He's the Lord of everything is to come. So we can look to the past as broken as it might seem, as much disappointment as there is in the past. We can know, do you know what? He's the holy Lord of everything that was past. Even those things that we wish weren't there in the past, you know what? He's still holy. And through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, even the worst thing, even the worst sin, washed in the blood of Christ. And the things we're dealing with today, the stresses of today, the things that occupy us, the things that consume us, the things that we can't try and keep under control, I want to say, look, I, I, He's the Lord. He's the God of today. He is. One of the most frequent reminders we need is that he is God and we are not. Maybe it's just me, but on a frequent basis, the Lord needs to remind me that I'm not him. We've got to plan this, got to do this, got to be certain of this. This has to be the way that this happens. It has to be like this. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. I'm the holy God of today. But then, as we look to the future, and I'm thinking about the future of this church family, a church that Helen and I have, have led to the best of our ability as God has enabled us for nearly 25 years recognize actually that there's a lot of things more important in the life of a church than who's the senior leader right I understand that but there's a significant transition taking place over this autumn on the 10th of September I'll pass over a baton as senior minister to David Dodwell and I'm looking forward to that day And that's a really good thing. And then a month later, Helen and I will be handing over all our leadership responsibilities. And, and, you know, I'm looking forward to that day. But even as I say that, there's a degree of uncertainty about that. Does anyone else feel that? What's that going to be like? What's that going to be like for us? What's it going to be like for us? I think it's going to be good. Do you know why? Because God is the holy almighty of everything that is to come. So we're in good hands. We're in really good hands. And I don't mean David's, although those hands are good. And I know God's going to use him powerfully. And all of us together, we're going to embrace that. We're going to run with it. He's going to run with that bat and Great things are going to happen. The kingdom's going to be extended. Hallelujah. It's all good. But listen, the real confidence comes not from David Dodwell. The confidence comes from the Lord, because he is the holy almighty of the years to come. Thank you, Lord. He's the holy God of our past, of our yesterdays. He's the holy God of our present today. And he's the holy God of our future tomorrow. God is timeless. He exists in a different dimension altogether. He's always the I am. He is not bound by time. I'm going to pause speaking for a moment. I want to show you a video. I first heard, this is from my friend Meshach. And uh, I've asked him, he did a video just for us today, which is really nice. I first heard this testimony a few months ago, and I was really, really blessed by a reminder of the timelessness of God. So have a look at this. Hey, my name is
1: Pastor Nishek, and I work for the Assemblies of God at of God. And also just have the privilege of being able to serve pastors and leaders up and down our country. I don't know about you, but there have been times where I have read the Bible and I've seen certain phrases within the Bible that I thought, hmm, what would that actually look like in my life today? One of those phrases for me was... Uh, Looking at when the Bible describes God as timeless, as one who is operational outside of time. He's not restricted by time. And then I look at the circumstances and my reality where time is a real factor, a real thing. And yet in the same breath, I also serve a God who is outside of time. I want to share a little story with you about my wife and I's journey as we saw the hand of God uh, in this particular way. We got married in 2013. Picture this as a young couple. We're ready to start a family. We're ready to take on the world. And then we got hit by the news that we couldn't have children. And I remember in Torbay Hospital, my wife and I sat in a little room with a senior consultant, a a, a GP and a junior doctor and we sat down and they were about to basically tell us this news. And when they broke the news to us, they said, we need to to do a hysterectomy on your wife because medically she'll be better off without her womb. And I remember sitting in that room thinking, God, this this looks nothing like what you have in store for me. It looks like nothing like what you have promised me before. We then came, we were asked to come back seven days after that initial consultation when they did a full scan on my wife's womb. Uh, and they marked out all the different areas where they were going to cut to remove her womb. And seven days later, I remember coming back into the same room with my wife and we we're getting ready for the surgery. And we sat down and they gave me paperwork to sign off uh, waiver forms and stuff as, a, as the next of kin. And then when we were sat down and I was about to sign this paperwork, I remember the Holy Spirit saying to me clearly, don't sign. And as he said that to me, I stopped I put the pen down and the most junior doctor on that panel just piped up and said, hey, I know we did a scan last week and I know we we, we know where we're marking out and we've already done a full scan on the womb and we know we can't, they can't have children or anything, but, but hey, why don't we just do a pregnancy test before she goes into surgery? Now, obviously within medical hierarchy, if you know anything about medical hierarchy, you would know that if you're the most junior doctor on the panel, you just don't pipe up and say stuff unless you've been consulted. But tell you what, she really insisted and persisted in asking for a pregnancy test before the surgery. Finally, the consultant gave in and said, okay, fine. When you take her out to do her bloods before she goes into surgery, uh, do the pregnancy test then and just get over and done with a few minutes a few moments later the junior doctor uh, popped her head back into this little room and he uh, and she signaled to to the consultant to come out of the room and the consultant did that and literally moments later she walks back in and she said sir i, I don't know how to explain this to you but um you won't be needing this paperwork anymore because somehow your your wife your wife is pregnant so in that moment, we, we as you can imagine, we're, we're astounded and we could feel the presence of God in the room. And we knew God was now doing something. So instead of coming out of the, this little room and turning left to go to the surgery hall, we're actually turning right to go into the baby unit to actually do another scan. And I remember walking into that place and now going back into this little room and they're, they're, they're scanning her womb again. And, and when they put the, the ultrasound on her, those little flashing dots started popping up everywhere, showing heartbeat and so straight away you know don't forget seven days prior to this there was absolutely nothing in the womb and then seven days later you've got fly you know you've got these little colored dots flashing around the heartbeat is vivid and it is strong and then I remember the doctor saying now we need to we need to check her again to now see how far gone she is and when they did an internal scan to, to measure how far gone she was they found out that she was actually seven weeks pregnant don't forget, seven days prior, there was absolutely nothing in the womb. And yet now, seven days later, she is seven weeks pregnant. We serve a God who is outside of time. He is timeless. The timelessness of God is not a figure of speech, it's not a statement, or it's not a, a, a phrase that the Bible just tries to use. This is an actual reality for us on the back of that meeting we had my wife being scanned as you can imagine uh you know every couple of weeks so that they can check again and check again and check again until the point where they were convinced that you know what this this baby is not going anywhere this is surely nothing but a miracle and maybe as i'm saying this to you you might be there and you're listening to this testimony and you're thinking to yourself man Uh, the, 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 The language or the voice of time has become louder than the voice of the timeless one. I would encourage you today and say, listen, you need to change it around. Listen to the voice of the timeless one, not the voice of time. And I want to thank you again for just taking this moment. To just listen to my story? I love your pastors, Pastor Tim and Pastor Helen. We absolutely adore them to bits. And I know you're obviously in a transitional period. And we thank God for everything that he's doing um, with the new leadership and how things will go forward. Praying for you. And we love you so much. Wellspringers. God bless.
0: Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? The, the timeless one, able to do, to, to warp things in time and space according to his great purposes. They've gone on to have more children, got a very full life, very young family. I think they're all under the age of like five or something, or three or four kids. It's amazing what God has done. You see, he is the God who is timeless, the holy God of our past, our present, and our future. I just want to underline what he said. It's really, really important, friends. It's important, church, that we do not get distracted by the voice of time, the desire to control time, to determine our own future, to get that next career step, to be sure of what happens next in our career, to to get that job, to get that relationship, for everything to be programmed according to what we want it to be. It's time for us just to relinquish some of those things and surrender them to God and say, God, okay, I admit it. I'm not you. And I trust you to determine my future because you're the almighty, holy Lord, the almighty one of the years to come. And my future is in your hands. I want to underline this very simply before we come into land. And that is this. God has carried you. He is the one who has carried you. To get to this point, you are not here by your own merits alone. He is the one who carried you. He brought you here. Through times you wonder, I don't know how I got through that. I can tell you how you got through that. Through the grace and kindness of God. He carried you. So let's give him thanks and acknowledge that. For us as a church, he carried us from a village hall, Edmund to then end up in a church, a school hall around the other side of the ring road he then carried us down here to a new building given to us built by the lord's provision for this church family he's carried us and carried us and carried us as a church family not only has he carried he is carrying today he is carrying you today Whatever you're going through, whatever you feel like you're holding or trying to control, please hear the heart of God and the truth of God. You know, he's the holy God of your ears. He is carrying you today. You are not on your own. Stop trying to figure it out on your own because you're not on your own. Right now, you and your loved ones and your family are being carried and being held Oh, that you might feel the truth of what I've just said. Oh, that you might be aware of that. And we can know today as a church family, we are being carried. Thank you, Lord. And then as we look to the future, how reassuring to know. Not only is the one who carried and carries, but he's the one who will carry. He will carry us. Personally, he will carry you to the place where he wants you to live, the place where he wants you to study, the place where he wants you to serve. He's going to carry you. And as a church family, what reassurance we have. The timelessness of God tells us that he is going to carry us forward into great things. We worship the God who carried, who carries and will carry. There's a, a cliche that's worth repeating We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. He does. And when it comes to the passing of this baton, the day on the 10th of September, when David becomes senior minister, I want to encourage you to be there with great confidence to know that he's going to carry us forward. And by the grace of God, he's going to carry us into even greater things. And we'll look back on the past and be grateful, but we're going to look forward with faith. Amen? (laughs) Together with faith. Because he's carrying us. And he's timeless. Hallelujah. One final thought, and then we're going to pray together. When when David comes back from sabbatical next week, uh, let's go easy on him. He's had time in Israel, which is awesome. He's been studying a lot, praying a lot. Uh, Let's go easy with him through that process over these coming weeks. Uh, He's not going to have answers to everything we want, as as in it's going to take some time. I'm going to help him. We're going to help him. Also, uh, from that time, I'm going to be clearing my desk during July and August. Uh, Go easy on me because my desk is really messy. Uh, So it's going to take probably the whole of July and August, plus some holidays. Uh, There's going to be kind of this transition. I'm just asking for your prayer. The enemy would love to get in and disrupt this process. I'm determined he won't be allowed. And we're together determined that we're going to go with what God's doing. And we're going to embrace the future whilst being grateful for the past. And as we do that, we're going to saturate this in prayer and see what the Lord wants to do. In a couple of weeks, I want to speak more into this, but I want to uh, just acknowledge, I wonder if the band could come and join me. I just want to acknowledge probably the first prayer that you and I might pray today is a prayer of confession because most of us are control freaks. You might say, well, I'm not. i as easy as it goes. Well, great. Good, good for you. But most people I meet Even really good kind of Christian folk are control freaks. We want to be in control. We want to determine our own future. We want to be sure of what happens tomorrow, let alone in a few weeks or months. And it's a harsh reminder today is that he is the Lord and he's in control and we're not. So I want to encourage you in a moment. I'm going to invite you to, to pray a simple prayer of confession with me. Just to acknowledge that desire to be in control. But the second thing I want to say about that is, if you are in this service today, online, downstairs, or in this room, and listen, if you have been running your own life, your own way, up until this point, with the idols that you've made the idols of your career or of money or of prestige or of power. I just have the warning that comes from Isaiah 46. I would hate for you to stumble with your idols into captivity when you could be free of all that rubbish and be free to trust the Lord. And the Apostle Peter wrote this as this our final scripture. 2 Peter 3 says this, verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't about his as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Here is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ holding back the day of judgment. Holding back the day of reckoning when the door to eternity closes. The the chance of spending eternity with a God who loves us and created us. God is holding back and he's holding open the door. But there will come a time when that door closes. I want to urge you today, surrender your life to Jesus. Come to Jesus and he will welcome you in to an eternity of absolute trust and joy in the presence of the God who made you. Because one day the door will close. So today is a time for surrender. Before we sing, and invite the Holy Spirit to come and move. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And maybe you might find it helpful, just on your lap, maybe empty your hands of your phones or your Bibles or whatever and perhaps just rest your hand on your lap Uh, and in doing this imagine in your hands all the things that you value the most all the things that you try and control all the things that you use to Keep a handle on things. I invite you just to confess with me the desire to yield these things to the Lord. Lord, Lord, I, I want to say, I want to say, I'm really sorry, God, for times when I've tried to make things happen, for times when I've tried to control other people, when I tried to make for a certain outcome, try and force my way, Lord. Forgive me for trying to do things my way, in my timing. Lord, forgive me. And we say together as a church family, Lord, forgive us for our controlling ways. Forgive us for any times, Lord, when we've tried to determine our future. And we say, God, we yield to you. We surrender to you our careers, our futures. We surrender to you everything that we hold dear our families, our desire for a family, our desire for a life partner, whatever it is, we yield it all before you and say, God, forgive us for not trusting you. But Lord, help us now as we draw near to you. Help us now to trust you. We choose in this moment to trust you. We trust you, our God of yesterday, today. And for sure, the almighty God of tomorrow, we trust you. We trust you. With your timing. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. And with your purposes. Because yes. your ways, Lord, are higher than our ways. Yes. Yes. So we gladly yield to you. Yes. The God of all our tomorrows. We say, have your way. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9 and
1: 11am in person and online.